Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. I'm going to spend some time on a few details, more focused upon the people, in this case would be uh, 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 Aaron, Nadabi, who Moses, versus the uh, clean, unclean animals, as well as Gentiles in that capacity, because that's, that's, the, nat- that's the symbols behind it. Uh, if there's any questions or issues or you have regarding the animals or clean and unclean foods, that's fine. Bring them up now. You're welcome to bring them up now if you have a few quick questions. Otherwise, I'll be focusing most of my attention on the uh, the men and the events surrounding them because there's a lot of information in here that the rest of our world talks about regarding the, these uh, this subject matter, what, it, what the events took place. So, if for any questions regarding clean and clean foods and animals and such, as, and how it relates to relates to Gentiles or uh, Jews in particular? Yes, we have Alex here. Oh, I have a very good question. Why do you call Caesar Caesar and then my friend who lives in Caesarea calls him Caesarea? So how do you go from Caesar to Caesarea? <laughs> it's Caesarea or something like that. Well, I mean, strictly, strictly speaking, uh, it, the word is Kaiser. That's where the yeah. Germans got the term Kaiser for king. Kaiser from, yeah, it's a German language. Well, yeah. we yeah. called him Caesar. Thank you. Right. <laughs> That's English. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> it got his own uh, English has its own problems. <clears throat> Though it comes from German, it's just uh, it's got had a long way of getting there. Um, okay, so the other question regarding animals or or people in general uh, regarding or sorry the the association with the animals, clinical animals and humans. So we go into this topic a little bit. So uh, the first you know, couple chapters there. Or so in Leviticus, we'll, we'll be jumping a few different places along our way. So Leviticus uh, obviously is concluding the tail end of uh, of the the sanctification of the priesthood for Aaron and his sons, and of course we have events take place, events that, that occur leading up to that. Those events, of course, were the seven days of purification, the offerings being offered, and such. Moses was responsible for some of that. Aaron and his sons responsible for some of it. In the case of after they get their 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 anointing of their thumb and their toe and their ear and such with the blood of the animals then for the most part they start taking over there are offerings though i'm be honest with you there are some oddities within inside this torah portion i say oddities meaning things are somewhat uh unclear or appear out of sequence um they're not terribly relevant but just just give you a heads up for example uh this is one of the many passages where uh, the sequence of events being chronological order is not necessarily accurate. I want to say chronological order in that uh, in that you note these offerings that uh, the the men gave the the the, the calf that sorry the priests had to give calf for the sin offering and of course had a ram for burnt offerings. The people themselves had to have a goat for sin offerings. Had to have calves, a calf, a sheep, a bull, a ram, and of course some grain. All with different offerings, and some were burnt offerings, some sin offerings, all this various stuff, right? Uh, and we note that as it records, it would go through chapter 9, it records that uh, Aaron offered and burned all these offerings on the altar. 
the very end of it, uh, verse 24, near the end of verse 24, it points out that then after all these things have been burned up and offered, apparently, so as, it, as it's worded, then uh, God or Jehovah sends fire down to burn them up. Well, that seems strange as most would say, well, he just burned them. Why are you burning them twice? That seems odd, right? Um, well, again, this is a, it's traditionally understood. I say traditionally, meaning by both Jews and Christians understand this passage that uh, Aaron and his sons were in the process of offering these offerings. And before they had lit them is when the, 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 this process took place. So this burning of God's fire coming down to burn it would have applied the moment which Aaron and his sons would have offered their first offering, the calf. Uh, that's that's the that's the traditional Jewish and Christian philosophy. So, and then the subsequent offerings that took place afterward were actually continuously using the same fire. Now, I say it's traditional because Bible doesn't mean does does, does it get the kind of information does it get that detailed detailed information, but it's not terribly relevant. It's just a, a note of, of of a chronological question, minor, right? Because the big thing that took place, which we all have issues with, uh, have issues with people who had issues with this for a long, long time, and it's not going to end today, is uh, the, the the men uh, of uh, of uh, Nadav and Bihu, their their deaths. That's been a long-standing problem. People have argued this and had issues with this. And you're welcome to any questions you have, bring your hands up at any point in time, interrupt me as, as you see fit. But uh, one of these things I want to bring up to you in this question is that this is a, this is a common question. So many people ask this, is that if Nadav and Abihu, they did not appear to be evil men, right? They were not necessarily angry, uh, uh, hateful, hateful, hate-filled, uh, hatreds, haters of God, or haters of righteousness. They didn't appear to be anything wrong with them as men. So, so, we, so we can see. Now, obviously, it's not recorded everything in their personal lives, but that's what it appears. And we ask ourselves, well, I ask myself at least this question. Others have asked themselves this too. Is that, so God, who is merciful to thousands who love him, and it appears Nadab Abihu's offering was not out of hatred, but rather out of awe or honor or surprise or whatever. It wasn't out of hatred. Why was the father not merciful to those two men? Now, I bring the question up because it's asked multiple, multiple times, and our Bible covers this topic in many, many ways. It's repeated over and over again. We'll go through a few quick, most of you know these stories. These are not shocking. You've, you've remembered these stories from childhood. So we'll go through a few of them, just a touch base on a few, a few of these stories, which God did something that appears, in some cases, questionable, in some cases, obvious, but uh, we'll discuss a few of them in particular. So in this instance, we have the Dao Bihu being burned alive uh, by the fire of God. They offered their incense and such. And of course, he's on, Aaron, of course, has to not mourn their losses. Well, this is not the only time God's done that. Uh, this is not a, it's unique. It's, 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 it's isolated, but similar, not identical, but similar events occurred also later on. And if, if now, mind you, not every event in the Bible has to be tied together in the same story. But if we look at some of these similar events, we have a, a little more clear understanding of how our father perceives us and himself. And this is useful because it explains a lot more about Messiah and his 
perception and how he talks about our God. Anyway, so we discussed this issue. So a couple of issues come up. In particular, let's look for, first of all, similar type of events. Now we have this one main event. So fire uh, from God, write that down. Um, God uh, burns some men. In this case, it's Nadab and Abihu. So we'll, I'll put a Nadab, Nadab and Abihu. Forgive me, I'm misspelling. I'm not very good at spelling. I can't speak English, much less Hebrew. Anyway, so uh, so so that be huge. That's that's our basic topic we discuss as far as its core uh, example in the case of the, the fire from God. But God did this a couple of times. Um, we have obviously our next event, which is Korah. Remember Korah, number num- uh, number sixteen. That's everyone knows Korah, right? Yeah, the the, the ultimate Korah. So in Korah's case, now mind you, this of course was from Leviticus. So in the book of uh, Numbers. Uh, chapter 16, we have another not identical, mind you, but has some similarity events. So I say similar because when God makes things that are similar, like I have a story, here's a story that has a number of similar elements. It's God's usually in saying, read this story too. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a hint. Here's a story. Here's your crumbs or rabbit trail. Hey, look, there's a story over here. Read that one also. So in this case, we have a story of W where fire comes from God. And I, I'm not, I don't know. It comes out of the, the, the tabernacle or temple. I'm not sure which part of it comes out of God. It doesn't specify. comes from God somehow, burns two guys alive. Clearly, their clothing is still intact because they get hauled out by clothing. But then in number 16, the famous Korah, he has a, a, a few cohorts. So there's Korah, and he has a, he, there's the Thom and Abiram. They're, 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 so to be, to be fair, there are three primary characters in uh, number 16. There's more than three, but three primary in this case. We have Korah, who focused most of his attention upon Aaron. If you notice that most of his, his explanations and discussion issues, he has issues with Aaron. So Korah is a more mentally focused upon Aaron, while uh, 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 Datham, or Datham, how do you pronounce the guy's name? And um, Abiram, oops. Most of the the, the, the Thanabirum, which is from the Tetra Ruben, most of their arguments, discussions, problems they have are focused on Moses. But seven from these men, they all get you know swallowed by the earth. You know, have fun. Uh, so they, they they die later. But what I focus my attention upon some similarities to Dabrihu is not these men; it's rather the other two hundred and fifty men that were also offering their incense. Now, so the Dabrihu. Who uh, they they took incense of? I'm not sure where the fire source was. Didn't say. Maybe they you know struck a match. Who knows? Maybe it's sulfur. Anyway, so they took this fire source, whatever it was. They see this massive display of God's power and like wow. I'm not sure what their feeling were, what the thoughts were. They had this this emotional this drive to take their incense and offer incense to God. Now, incense is a smelling a, a, fre- a fragrance thing. So they had this. So the Bihu both had this 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 inspired thought process. Now, mind you, I say that inspired because sometimes we as people feel inspired. Also, the question is: Is it inspired by God or not? It's a really big question. We all have to answer that. I can't answer it for you. You can't answer it for me. We have to inspire. Is God the inspiration 
or is it me? I don't, I don't know. We have to check any action or thought we do. Is this God inspired or am I doing this? Hey, for example, Peter, the whole, you know, uh, animals coming down, you know, cloth. Is this God acting? What's going on here? Is this my inspiration? What's happening? So all those are questions we are obligated to ask ourselves because not only can we deceive ourselves, spirits can deceive ourselves. People can challenge us, lie to us. We don't, we're human. We, we can be lied to. So we have to find out is God inspired or, or not? So in this, in this instance, now we had this, 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 this inspired reaction. Now I don't know what their thoughts were. It is not recorded. Obviously these two men die. So don't, don't, don't write it down. The 250 men over here have a similar type of experience, although this one was not quite this, as inspired as Nabihu. I think these two men here, Aaron's two sons, were probably far more uh, righteously inspired. I'm, I'm speculating here, of course. The 250, because the 250 men here in number 16, fire for the Lord comes out and burns these guys up too. He doesn't burn up Korah and Beer. I think they get swallowed up. I'm not quite positive on Korah himself, but they get swallowed. All the rest of it gets swallowed by the earth. So a similar type of, of, of outcome with some similarities. So both are, they're all offering incense before God. He's a fire pan. You know, God, we love you. You love us. Yada, yada, yada. And, and what's God's response? That's great. You're dead and you're dead. Here's your response. Uh, yes, Anne, go ahead. What's your question? Um, yes. Uh, I, I understand that you say that the, sometimes the um, sequence is not exact. As you're reading this, you don't know uh, if the sequence was affected in this or what. But it wasn't, right. there, wasn't there a passage that you read, we read, that said, God spoke to Moses saying, do not come into the sanctuary after drinking wine and becoming Right, overly, and we're getting there, right. Oh, right. <laughs> right, that's correct. And so that, that it, so 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 there are to be, to be fair, there are lots and lots and lots of articles, books, people's presentations, thoughts, white papers, blah blah, blah about this topic specifically. And it is claimed by some, not all, but some, because of the association in location about the correction for Dobby Hughes, their deaths, that somehow it was associated with their baby, they were drunk, alcohol influenced substance abuse, whatever we're going to call it, uh, in the influence of something. And most authors argue that's not the case, but some say it is. So we can, we, we can interpret that's the case, and it could be, but we don't know. We're, 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 honestly, everybody, everybody is guessing. We're all guessers in this case, because it doesn't tell us why. It's okay to be guessing, you can guess right, you can guess wrong. That's okay, but that's how it is. So we don't really know for certain. So it could be they were somehow influenced on the, under alcohol. We don't know for certain, but we will talk about that in a few moments. But I get to this part first before we go to that component of this, of this discussion. Because that shows up in, um, let's see here. We'll discuss that. Okay, in a minute. I'm almost there. I'm almost at that, po that topic specifically. So there are some similarities, these, these men. There's other people also, which will, will cover their, their, their topics as well in a minute. So, for example, Elijah. This kind of not the same, but similar event happened with Elijah. A similar non-event, meaning it was going to happen, but Messiah said don't, uh, with regards to the book of Luke. And we discussed the same type of topic. And that fire from God coming down and burning people up. 
So it's not like it's a foreign concept to our God to do such a thing. And so we have, we have these similarities of some events. Now, it is possible there's a sober, sober mind issue going on here. People were drunk. Who knows? We'll discuss that in a moment. But uh, the point being that there are multiple events. So let me write some of these events down just so we know that, uh, that they, they will cover them real quick. Let me erase this stuff off my board. So we have the events from Leviticus. That's uh, Nadav. I'm going to abbreviate N and uh, A for Nadavihu. We have events from Numbers. This is actually Korah. I abbreviate with just letters. Uh, Datham and Abiram, and also the 250 guys who, who all get cooked. And then there's uh, uh, First Kings, uh, chapter. I think it's chapter one. Actually, uh, it discusses the 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 the, the two sets of 50 soldiers or men who also get cooked like like light is shining on my little display here so two and three who also get cooked by god and then we have um uh, luke which chapter nine and that discusses the disciples who are who who are frustrated with the samaritan village who says you know, Messiah, you like Jews, you get out of here. Um, so hey, they ask, can we cook them? Because <laughs> that's, how, that's how they roll. <laughs> that's how they roll. So they ask, can we cook them? And Messiah says, no, you can't cook them. They're supposed to leave them alone. I'm obviously, I'm tongue in cheek here. But the point is, we have certain events. And this is what I'm wrong, bring your attention to. There's actually one more, which is not quite the same, but does have a fire from heaven. The other story of Elijah, which is, um, I apologize, First Kings. This is Second Kings, chapter 2. Because First Kings, uh, at chapter 18, is the, 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 the altar, Elijah's altar. Fire from heaven burns the altar up. Uh, T-A-R. All these events have a fire from heaven from god and the luke is is an almost it actually happened but it was it could have it could have happened at some point in time if god was so inclined to say cook them too uh, or messiah said go ahead and do it who knows but anyway so this is the type of event what's going on now all that have a fire from god either burning up an altar in this case now mind you in the first kings 18 though god burned the altar 450 prophets of baal died not from the fire of god but from a sword slashed them because uh well i just see they're fakers kill them off so it might as well have been from god <laughs> they died anyway um <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how it works so it's not quite the same but they are certain summaries and i want to bring this the, these few details to your attention in each of these they have specific events subject matters that show a pattern of behavior from our father and this is what's interesting to me, at least, the pattern of behavior. When we understand the pattern of behavior of God, we understand why he does stuff, because these are the only scenarios. There's one more, which I didn't cover, but it's also in Kings. And it is in Kings, First uh, Kings chapter 13? Uh, yeah, 13. First uh, Kings 13. This is a separate event, but is not... But, but, but bothers people. So it actually bothers people. So anybody remember when David said, hey, I want God's ark in my space. Let's move it, shall we? That's a great idea because it's been hanging out at this other guy's house 
for like 20 years. He's blessed. His life's wonderful. God says, you know, you're awesome. And he said, I want the awesomeness on my side. So God, so David says, I want awesomeness here. Let's move the ark here. And everybody said, great idea, David, you're cool. But you put him on a cart with some oxen that were driving it around. And this poor guy, how do you spell his name? It's Uzziah. Uzziah. I think it's Uzziah. Uzziah. I think it's Uzziah. I might I, I I have his name. It might be Uzza. Anyway, Uzziah. It's Uzza. So there's no I there. Uzza. Anyway. Yeah, Uzza. So I couldn't use Uzza. Uzza. The ark moves because the oxen stumble. He reached out to steady it. And God cooks him too. So you die too. I mean, and this bothers people. I'll just be honest. This bothers a lot of people. Is well, you're not supposed to touch it. We know that. But was he trying to touch it out of, you know, ooh, wow, look what I got to do? He should be something honorable. Oh, but as as case way, a law is a law. God's law doesn't change. So there, that's a correct statement. God has specific rules. Even though it may cost you your personal life, it's okay. But I think maybe this is Second Kings. I can't remember which is Second Kings or First Kings. What well, does it matter? It's an, it's an, it, it, it's there anyway. In the story, in the, in the category that takes place here, we have events where seemingly at least the Dawda Bihu's event appears, as well as this event appears to not be in 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 malice or evilness. Now they were wrong. Maybe Dawda Bihu were, were were drunk. I don't know. We don't have any evidence of that. We it's implied maybe it could be, but we're guessing. Other instances, some of these men were actually honorably, or not, did not honorably, were legitimately disobedient. We have, you know, Korah, and all the 250. They, yeah, we get that. They were trying to rebel, push, make their way, and take control. The 250 men in Kings, uh, uh, chapter one, uh, with Elijah, they were there to arrest him. And they would say, hey, men of God, come to the mountains because we don't want to work that hard to pick to arrest you. Come down here to us. And uh, Elijah said, well, if I'm the man of God, then let fire come down of heaven and burn you up. And then fire comes down and cooks them all. So you have two, uh, two, 100 total, 100 men, dead bodies on the ground, cooked around him. And then the last group says, hits the ground and says, please, God, don't kill me. <laughs> the last set says, okay, we get it. All these guys are cooked. Please think, think my life is worth something to you. I'm obeying my, my orders to the king, but please pretend I'm worth something. And the angel tells Elijah, yeah, he's cool. Go with him. Okay. So, so yeah, sure. No problem. So, but why don't we bring your attention to some of these things? So we have these general events, but here are our similar conclusions or, or events that we have behind them, which is how we get understanding our God. Well, at least one of the ways that is our God. And that's not the only way. So in, in the case of Zabihu, God's reaction, initial reaction was, those who are close to me, I require more of them. So I want to be close to God. You sure? Think about it. You sure? How close you want to be to him? I want to be as close as possible. Maybe not. <laughs> Think twice because errors are not tolerated the close you are to him. Why are not, why are not tolerated? Isn't God loving? Yes, he's loving, but he also has the existence problem. He has to exist in righteousness. And if you're not, you can't dwell with him. It's kind of a, a it, it, it would compromise the definition of a righteous God if he hangs around 
you know, unrighteous things is, is all smothered with dirt. You can't call something clean smothered in dirt. God can, but you and I can't. So, the closer you are to Dada Bihu, the more stringent or more accurate the, 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 you must be keeping God sanctified or holy. But that's not the only component going on here. We have the case, that was lesson part one. Part one of what Levi's one up here was get too close to me. In case of God's instance, you have to sanctify or be more accurate in everything that you do. That's important. Now I should I have to change color so I don't I don't confuse my writers up here. I'll keep my own line of sight if I don't change colors. So well the lesson one for Leo, I put in orange. That is to come close to me, be aware I'm going to require more of you. So be careful what you ask for and what you claim to be. That actually matters too. I claim to be close to God. Oh, really? There's a reason why leaders are held to a higher standard in our, in our Torah. As it was pointed out, they have to pay a higher, uh, a higher offering. The offering costs more. All these things cost more. The higher you up, the closer you are, the more important you are. Your standard goes up, not down. Contrary to modern politics, which their standards go down, sleep with anything, pay it all off, do we want. Well, that doesn't work that way in the Torah. So Levi explains, hey, the closer you are to God, the more honorable you are to be, the more is required of you. Book of Numbers. In uh, number 16, Oh, uh, yikes, that special parking base. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the special parking base has a high price. Yes, it comes a high price. You get that close to it. <laughs> so he's like, that's, that's the handicap zone. <laughs> Maybe there's a wise if other brother burned. So in the case of numbers, in the case of numbers, we have a different lesson being brought to us. Now, a numbers lesson is not the same. Although they came, they tried to approach God with incense. That's similar, but God gave a different lesson. In the case of number 16, I should write that number 16. Uh, the number, the lesson here of number 16 is a different lesson. It's a second part. The second part, God's explanation was when he said, okay, we'll cook these guys. Next day, everybody bring up your rod and I'll, I'll make Aaron's rod sprout with like, you know, it has like almonds and blossoms and everything else. And that's what God winds up doing, which is good. That's fine. But in, in, in that, in that, uh, hold on. Yeah. In that example, we have, um, I'm going to close this out. I have an app going on by accident. There, that's better. In that example, God explains, I'm the one God who chooses who can come and approach me. Not you, not anybody else. God chooses this person. So in, in number 16, is not unlike lesson number one from Levi. Lesson number one from Levi is, Closeness has a price. I should. I'm gonna erase this. I, I, I should make a bigger board. Let me erase some of this stuff here, so I'm gonna make more space on my marker board here. I write these lessons down more, more, more clearly. So, lesson number one, which was closeness. Lesson number two. What you got from the 250 guys who got died, who were dead, both Korah, Dadatha, Biram, is God chooses. So, in these, these are two of our lessons, but there's more than just two. There's two lessons we understand from God's fire coming down, his judgment, his correction, his, hey, you can't do this, that kind of thing. We, we learn these two lessons, but there's more lessons than that. So, in the case of uh, the, 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 um, uh, 
well, let's we'll let's do this in a minute. So the case of we'll go to First Kings. It's, it's chronological order. So First Kings eighteen, which I erased here, but it was uh, First Kings eighteen. That was the that was the altar. So First Kings. That was the altar from Elijah. So in that case, the lesson was different. It's not identical, but but it has some. So the the primary lesson we learned from that one is understand or or decide or understand who is God. So that is another lesson that this fire from heaven brought to to mankind, and then of course, and then and then in in Second Kings two, the two and the, the two sets of fifty soldiers, they have a different lesson, and that lesson is taught to us in the third set of soldiers, the third commander, who says, "Hey, there are a hundred dead men around me. Can." It, I, I, I'm honoring you. I'm following the orders of my ki- my king. I'm instructed to do so, but value my life. Consider my life as valuable to you because you are a man of God. You you are you have the power. My life is in your hand. So in that instance, it was interesting because the man himself he covers a topic, a more specifically of of knowing who the God of Israel actually is. So this is a uh, uh, so, so so in this case it's not just who your God is but knowing God and it says uh, no yeah to know there is a God of Israel so Israel now I say that because the reason the reason Elijah was supposed to be arrested was because he had told the king of Israel who had sent emissaries down to Baal's, the, the Baal's of Ab, yeah, to ask him, am I going to live from this disease or am I going to die? Elijah had, had sent a message that said, hey, is there no God in Israel that you had to go to another God in another country and ask him if you're going to live or die? And the king, and, and Elijah told him, you're going to die. I'll answer it for you. You don't have to ask anybody. I'm just giving you the answer. You're, you're a dead man. And the king didn't like that. It's okay. Arrest him. And so the soldiers all came to arrest him. And then when Elijah finally comes with the third group, the last group, he tells the king, is there no God in Israel? You are going to die. You're not coming out of your bed. And the point of that story was that knowing that these men died, there is a God of Israel. So, in the case of Elijah, he had two separate eventing battles. One was, who was God with the altar? And the other one, there actually is a God of Israel. There is a specific God that is associated. Now, now you know who God is, the altar thing, with the whole Ahab. But now you know that he is your God, not just a God. He is yours. He belongs to you. These are all events took place with it not the only ones, that take place with regards to the whole burning down. And then the last one, which was a non-event, but semi-could have been an event, uh, regarding the burning fire thing. Uh, actually, I won't go to the last one yet. I should have, there's, there's one more, there's two more left. So we'll go to number, lesson number five. This is the Uzzah. Uzzah. I think it's the same. Uzzah dies. And that, again, that's actually not too different. His lesson is not that much different. Than the understanding of the closeness of God. Since they have a similar lesson. So Uzzah's lesson in close to God has some similarities. The closer you are to him, the more he's going to require of you. Uzzah, you knew better. 
So you cannot violate his 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 instructions. Instruct. Ah, I'm out of room. But anyway, cannot violate instructions, even though it's honorable. You're doing the right thing. You you think you're doing the right thing. That's great. That's wonderful. God's loving. You can't do that. You die anyway. So we don't pay attention to the instructions matter with God, not just the, but my heart was in it. That's good for your heart. You're still dead. <laughs> instructions still matter. You can't just disregard instructions. Think, well, I love God. God loves me so I can do whatever I want. That's absurd. It's our God. He doesn't work that way. He wouldn't be God anymore. And of course, and now we'll go back to the last one with the number six, the sixth lesson, the sixth lesson, a point of, of, of order here is from Luke saying, can we kill them? And Jesus says, no. So in this instance, it's actually a slightly different lesson. Jesus actually points out to them, specifically, this is, by the way, it's Luke chapter 9. Um, There's 51 through 54, I think, or 56, like that. The last half of uh, the last part of Luke chapter 9. The disciples, so Messiah is going, he's traveling to Jerusalem, he travels through the Samaritan territory. And since Samaritans hate Jews, the Samaritans inquired, found out Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem to the Jews. And Samaritans said, okay, we have no use for you. We're not going to help you. We're not going to take care of you. There's no food, no shelter, nothing. And that's that story. And the disciples say, can we just kill these guys? Just burn them up. And Messiah says, no, I did not come to judge, but to save. So in that instance, it is a non-event, meaning it was planned by the disciples. And Messiah said, you guys are crazy. Stop it. So in this case, Messiah said, no, to not judge not judge yeah as i pointed out that's what round two is for so this is interesting because in these events i look at these events i see events one two three and four five those actually are judgments they are actually determinations something took place god said it was wrong person dies those pretty are and the last one is a messiah is there say hey i'm not here to judge we're not, we're not destroying, we're not destroying anybody. Therefore, it's a, the, the event didn't take place. So we have to understand, okay, our God, our father, when he was discussing these issues and got these events here, one through five, when I said, isn't our God loving? Isn't he, doesn't he love us? Doesn't he desire us? Want us to do the right thing? Be honorable people, <clears throat> be a loving people and, and, and care for and love God. Yes, all those things are wonderful and they are correct. However, there are still instructions. There are still rules, regulations that we follow. So when we cover these topics, we understand our God in general. We focus on the topic of not just God loves me, which is really, really important, by the way, but that, 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 that is a component of understanding of our God himself. So God loves me and he, in, in, and he is merciful, but if I violate him, closeness, I choose to God making a choice, or I can't understand who God is, or is there really God at all, or I think I'm doing the right thing by violating his instructions, the process. Note these people, these five instances, was there any mercy? No. They didn't get mercy. They got death. Well, God's merciful. Is there God merciful? Yes, he is. He is merciful, but. <laughs> as, 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 as my out, well he didn't he didn't burn them slowly it was quick okay that's probably true but still that's kind of merciful maybe you could argue that that's fine 
note that God's mercy has its function when we're merciful to other people, as he points out in, I think it's, I forgot which chapter of Matthew. Um, but if we're not merciful, maybe it's James, maybe it's James. Those who have no mercy or show no mercy will receive none. J- James points that out. If we don't show mercy to other people, we're not going to get mercy from our God. That's just how it works. So if you want mercy from God, show mercy to somebody else. That's how this, this process is supposed to work. If you want forgiveness from God, you know, the, the, the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be the name, like, yeah, 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 to the tail end, uh, 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 give us, forgive our debtors, for, as forgive us as we forgive our debtors and those who sin against us. So the point being that if, if, if I forgive or if I show mercy, if I show love, I show kindness to everybody else, then theoretically, God would show that to me. And that's a good thing. We want those things, which is fine. And so we just say that in the case of getting mercy, we have to show it. I'm not saying these men did or didn't show mercy. I wouldn't know. I don't know them. They're, they're all dead. But the point is that to get mercy from God, we have to show mercy from God. That is our instruction. So let's read a few, read a few verses here along our way of, of understanding. And let's see, we jumped to, uh, we read some of the Haftor verses, uh, sorry, the, the, the New Testament verses already. There's, um, let's go to that one first. Yes, I like that one. So, 1 Kings 13. 1 Kings 13. This is a different one, a different passage that I haven't talked about yet, but it also bothers people for the exact same reason. 1 Kings 13. It is... I'm finding it. Hold on a minute. Ah, here it is. So, 1 Kings 13. I like this passage um, for a couple of reasons. It teaches a few things on the comprehension and where God puts responsibility for, to a person. So, 1 Kings 13. I'm going to read the, the whole chapter. Now, <clears throat> in context, so in this case, 1 Kings 13, so Israel, the nation, has been divided into already. This, it, this, is, this is immediately following the death of, or the death of King Solomon. And so, uh, Rehoboam is in the, the southern tribe. Jeroboam, the first, the first guy takes over, is the northern tribe. He became the king that, uh, that the prophet said, hey, the, you, you take the rest of the tribes. So, Jeroboam thought, wonderful, I'm now king. I'm going to make a new religion. New altars, new everything, right? Everything's the same. Now, but God says, hey, uh, from the Judah, I'm going to send a prophet up there to talk to Jeroboam and correct him in his thoughts. So, this is 1 Kings 13. Behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by word of the, of, of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Pause. Uh, this altar, Jeroboam created two of them, one northern Israel, one southern, like northern half of northern Israel, southern half of northern Israel, so the people didn't have to travel to Jerusalem anymore. He got tired of people leaving, leaving going to Jerusalem to worship God. He wanted to keep the money and, and the, the responsibility there. Verse 2. He cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned upon you. He gave a sign that day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar in Bethel, he stretched out his arm, his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him! Then his hand 
which he had stretched out toward him, withered, so he could not pull it back to himself. The altar also was split apart. The ashes poured out the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of Jehovah. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated Jehovah and the king's hand restored to him, and it became as it was. The king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself. I will give you a reward. The man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat your bread or drink water in this place. For it was commanded to me by the word of Jehovah, saying, You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the, way, the same way which you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way which he had come to Bethel. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father had said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went, who came from Judah. He said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on. He went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? He said, I am. They said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. He said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread, nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of of Jehovah, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water there, nor return by going the way which you came. He said to him, I too am a prophet, as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of, of Jehovah, saying, bring him back with you to your house. They may eat bread and drink water. He lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table, the word of Jehovah came to the prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, Thus says Jehovah, because you have disobeyed, disobeyed the word of Jehovah and have not kept the commandment which Jehovah your God commanded you. But you came back and ate bread and drank water in the place in which Jehovah said you, you eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. So it was as after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk water, or after he drunk, that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. So when he was gone, a lion met him on the road, killed him, and his corpse was thrown on the road. And the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. And there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told it the city where the old prophet had dwelt. So the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it. He said, is it the man of God? So it is the man of God who is disobedient, the word of Jehovah. Therefore Jehovah has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him. According to the word of Jehovah, which he spoke to him. And he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. They saddled it. And he went and found his corpse on the road, and the donkey and the lion sitting by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse nor torn the donkey. The prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him.
He said he laid the corpse in his own tomb and he, they mourned over him, alas, saying, My brother. So it was, after he had buried him, he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. The saying which he cried out by the word of Jehovah against the altar of the Bethel and against all the shrines, the high places which are in the cities of Samaria, will surely come to pass. Of course, at this event, Jeroboam did not turn away from his evil ways. So I have a question for you. You may not have an answer or thought about this, but I'm sure you have. Everybody's thought about this at some point. Is in this instance, this man of God who had died, who was, who was, who was supposed to be obedient and didn't make it, and why is he keep shutting off? It wasn't obedient to him. Uh, in this instance, who was responsible for the disobedience? The original prophet was, right? So this is interesting. So in this scenario, though the, the instructions were to give in the original prophet, even though he was given instructions, he was following the instructions, thought he was doing the right thing, thought he was being honorable, obedient to God, because someone lied to him, who claimed to be, yes, he'll lie, who claimed to be from God. He was a prophet too. There's no indication he was not. Even though the other prophet lied to him, who did God hold responsible? The original one, not the liar. So, well, that's not fair. What about the liar? He got away with it? Yes, he did. Right, exactly. As you should point out, if any of the application of life, it also applies. So we are so responsible. So in this instance, though it appears to be an unfair event, we have a scenario which is which is not terribly different than some of these than some of these other scenarios. In that, and in particular, the closest of God, or even Uzziah, who violated the instruction. We actually have this other example, which is another man of God. We'll put him, you know, a five, you know, part B. <laughs> the other prophet of God, uh, which is the first Kings, he got eaten by a lion. I... That's the other guy. And the person who's responsible for lying to him is not held responsible. Because who received the instruction? The prophet of God received the instruction. Okay, now we have a pattern of behavior written down. In the case of Nadal Abihu, who received the instruction of what they should and shouldn't do? Aaron, Nadal, Abihu, and all others, Aaron, others, Aaron's other two sons, Eleazar and Itamar, they all have the instruction. Instruction matters. You follow God's instruction. In the case of Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and the 250 guys who got cooked, what were the instructions? Aaron was selected, not you. Instructions matter. In the case, the two hundred and fifty, the sorry, the two sets of fifty men that uh, Elijah burned up. In that instance, the instruction, even though it was talking specifically about these men who died, the event that took place that, that, that spawned it was Elijah pointing out to the king: "Is there no God in Israel? Do you have to go to somewhere else to ask who God is? Because God has an instruction: I am the only God. It is just me." We also the same, exact same story when it came to who was God Elijah with the altar. What was the instruction? I am the God. There's no one but me. It's just me alone. That's how it's supposed to work. In the case of uh, Uzziah, hey, I have instructions about me being God. 
this is how you this is how you respond this is how you know i am a god you will follow my ways in the case the guy get eaten by a lion you were given instructions you follow my instructions you don't follow your own you don't follow anybody else's bottom line of all these stories we have a basic theme is that there is a god who has instructions and that's how that's how we know him is by the words he gave us he gave us his instructions he expects them to be followed understand he is god and he had, this is how we know him so we understand our god by the words which he gave to us his instructions that that includes our personal conduct how we treat other people it includes how we treat our god it's all based upon instructions there is a long-standing jewish phrase which is uh, the word of God is manifest in him. So meaning a person manifests the word of God. They are flesh. It's actually called the word came in the flesh. We, it, John even, even requotes that in his, in his book, the word became flesh. That's a common Jewish phrase. It's been around since before Jesus was born. It just means that in a period of time, an event in your life, or your existence, or whatever you're doing, a teacher does this, whatever it is, you manifest the actual actions and instructions of God in this event, this story. So, a righteous individual does the right thing, even though it's not necessarily his best interest. He does the right thing according to God's way. He is word, the word of God became flesh in that person. That's what the phrase has always meant, you know, for almost 2,500 years now, since it was first recorded 2,500 years ago. So, and that's how it meant. So in this, when we understand our God, word became flesh, it means that when God gives an instructions in his words, you are to obey it, follow it, even though, but my heart says this, I'm inspired to do that. That's not the same. Now, is it wrong to be inspired? No, nothing wrong with inspiration. The Holy Spirit inspires lots of things. That's good. But the point is we have an instruction that we that's how we know our god is the words he gave us so if we do not follow his words or even can't or in some cases can't even comprehend who god is in the case of elijah when he's dealing with these people that there actually was a real god if we can't follow his instructions or can't comprehend who god is then what are we following not god if we're not following god does he have use for us maybe maybe not in this instance i would say not which is where he comes when we include this with um uh with uh peter so so i'm at, so this kind of makes sense i think for most people let me raise this stuff up here because in the uh in the book of acts 10 that uh, alex read there's the story there that we understand that peter comes to this realization which is a great realization so in the case of Peter, with the story of, of the, the, the sheets and the, and, and, and the animals and kill and eat, and, God, and Peter says, no, I'm not going to do that. And of course, then Peter realizes God is telling him that it's not about the person, meaning the, the Jew versus the Gentile. It's about the obedience, understanding, comprehension, the honor that God gets, that the person operates. So Cornelius, I'm going to misspell his name. Cornelius, sure. We'll pretend that's how it's spelled. He'd probably be upset with me, but that's okay. He's not around to complain. So Cornelius, um, he has, he, he, is he a Jew? No. Does he know the Torah? Maybe a little bit. We're not sure how much. Yeah, I don't know how, what is his level of Torah comprehension is unknown. It's not listed. So we know how much he knows of Torah. But being a Gentile, 
Gentile to eat. Yeah, well, yeah, close enough to I misspell that. Being Gentile, theoretically speaking, he doesn't have the oracles of God given to him, right? Theoretically, he wouldn't know. Well, I mean, he, he probably can read. I'm not saying he can't read. The point is, theoretically, the, 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 the instructions of God were not given to Gentiles, given to Jews. That was the, that's the principle which Paul keeps arguing over and over again. Hey, it was given to the Jews on purpose. The, 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 the God, God revealed himself to the Jews on purpose. So Gentile, but as a Gentile, God revealed himself. I-E-L. Not reviled. <laughs> E-A, thank you. God didn't revile himself. <laughs> he revealed himself. <laughs> so God revealed himself to, to Cornelius in a different fashion not through the Torah per se, but through his understanding, his love of the Jewish people, his love of righteousness, the offering of, 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 of alms, his alms, that's uh, Jews, is one of, the, one of the main definitions of being righteous, is to give it to the poor. So, God rev- revealed himself uh, to Cornelius, a Gentile, and Cornelius not having the instructions, so Cornelius does not know everything or comprehend all about God, right? That's not his big thing. Uh, I may not know everything, you may not know everything, we all bits but not, not the whole picture we can't come into the whole picture because it's god we're talking about the father of everything he, he, he his his mind is greater than us so he doesn't necessarily know everything but the goal is that he wants to doesn't he he has a drive i want to understand more so god said not a problem i got that so here's peter i'll send him out to go teach you about me about god and about Messiah, about what's going on, what took place, and why this process is supposed to work, how it works out for you. So Peter re- comes to realization that, wait a minute, it's not that God doesn't choose a particular person. He did. He chose obviously Aaron and his family as priests. And it's not necessarily that God is upset or, 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 or happy or not happy with somebody following his exact instructions because the Gentiles don't, don't comprehend the instructions. The bottom line for Peter is realize that, wait a minute, God, your behavior indicates that anyone, anyone who wants to follow you will receive you. Anybody does. But they have to obviously want to follow you to decide to do it. So please really say that it's not about Jew or Gentile. It's obviously about who's God selecting. And Peter comes to the realization God selected Gentiles also. And then that brings up the bigger question. So that's the case. If God selected Gentiles, hey, you get you get me too, kind of thing. Um, and I'm not going to cook you for it. So God's God's pleased with them, and they come, but there's limitations, they're still Gentiles. In the case of, of, of all of our stories, which God says, hey, I, you, you understand me this way. I am the one real God. I, there really is a God of Israel. You honor me this particular fashion, not that other way. That's great and all. In the case of Gentile, which also had to, to, to Naman when he had to deal with uh, Elisha later, earlier, the same kind, of, same kind of principle, is that God has instructions. Instructions. That's a you instructions that are supposed to be followed. But he also pointed out that the closer you are to me, the more stringent I am on those instructions, right? Now, in our Torah, it says is Hebrews are not to keep company with Gentiles in the form of participate active, like pagan worshiping Gentiles, not 
not good ones, but the other kind. <laughs> so, and so Peter understands, hey, I'm breaking a law of God. This is one of his instructions. We don't do that. He's pointed out, but wait a minute. The instructions only apply as God applies them. And he applies them in, in the fashion, the close you are to me, I'm going to apply stricter instructions upon you. Is there mercy with them? That depends how close you are. Don't get too close. The mercy diminishes. So in the case of this instructions, hence Messiah didn't make mistakes. If he made a mistake, would it have worked? No. Messiah didn't make mistakes because he's very close to God. He does, it would not have worked well. So no, instru- no, no mistakes made. But in Peter's case, in the Gentiles' case, God is, they are further away from God. They are not as close as Messiah was, right? So in the case of instructions, how follow instructions, God reveals himself through instructions. This is what we expect. He expects of you expects what you do and how you respond to him, which is good. Understand who he is. Peter understood who he was, but the Cornelius guy did not fully understand who God was. Tell me a little bit, but not, not, not fully. So Peter's job, I can take care of this God. I go with this man. I will teach him who you are and where you come from and the nature's about you. But here's the caveat. Let's pretend, I don't know for this case, let's pretend Cornelius understood and received the instructions from Peter, which he did. Let's pretend he received them, like kept them in his heart. That's good. Now let's pretend, hypothetically speaking, that after the Holy Spirit came to him, he, was, he received God, God was revealed to him. Peter said, this is great. I'm going to go back to my old ways. What would have worked or not worked? So remember, God is a God of instructions. This is how we know him by. You will do what I tell you to do. Now, if Cornelius says, I learned from God, I'm great, we're all wonderful, God and I were like best buds, now I'm going to go off do my own thing with Baal. We don't have that as a hypothetical. We don't have the real event that that took place. But the point is, if God reveals himself, and now we have an instruction from God to you, and you say, I'm throwing the instruction in the garbage can. I wish my own instructions. What can I expect? The same thing the other guys got. No mercy. It's harsh. But the closer you are to God, the more he's going to require of you. Hence, the Dabra Bihu. As well as the other men who lived and died. The closer you are to him, the more he requires you. So Cornelius, Gentile, yep far away, right? Theoretically. But the more you understand, God reveals himself to you, the more you understand, instructions become, you're, you're accountable for them, right? That's our principle. Yes, Larry, go ahead. Um, the other, but the mercy of God in this case may be that this or not is our final judgment. True. It's, it's a flesh and blood thing. That's absolutely true. And, and I like that point because uh, this is the worst God does in this life is your life. Typically, <laughs> you die, but in the next life is where it actually matters. So that is a true. There is a, there. You're right. You could argue that there is mercy in His death or your death in your death. There is mercy, and I, I like that because in the case of Joab, when uh, David orders Solomon to kill him, and someone waits a little bit and then kills him later. And David points out the reason because Joel committed murder, it is better to pay for murder in this life than the next. 
So hence Joab is killed as a living man, executed for his murder, for murdering his murdering uh, Abner. Yeah, Abner. And then uh, and then and then as a result, because he already paid for it, when God resurrects him, it's okay. Well, this this actually murder you 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 were justly paid for, so that's done. Let's move on. So actually, technically, it actually is a, to Joab's benefit they died in this life versus the next, which is a good thing. So it's a good point. You do have an excellent point on mercy. What was that? Right. Exactly. And we should, we should, we should, now, if, now, and that's where people debate on you know what level, where does it land before and after and all kind of garbage stuff. But the point is that Messiah eventually dies for those, and then theoretically, those would apply. Depending on Joab's mental state, heart, everything, I don't know where he, where he was in his own spiritual walk, I'm not sure. But theoretically, that's how that would work too. Yeah, before, so, so we're not quite sure on all the details. Uh, yeah, he's, hold on. Hold on, Yana's asked a question. Go ahead. The correlation, walking as a parent, and disobedient kids. Right. <laughs> so he points out in, in a similar scenario, yeah, as a kid, your parent, you have kids, kid, kid, you know, being a t- temper tantrum, you put them down for a nap. Same kind of principle. You're, 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 you're an adult, disobedient, I'm putting you down for a nap. It just has to be a death nap, but the same idea. <laughs> it deal with you tomorrow. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, you have two questions. It was Purian and Carrie. Go ahead, Purian. Um, I get the feeling that um, all these things have consequences that God can't disobey himself. So if he has set Correct. the rules, there's no going back on changing that's absolutely true but if god disobeys he can di- so the so the laws given to man were for man to follow obviously we understand that the laws for the torah were not for god to follow he doesn't follow the laws about marriage he he's he's not married <laughs> there, there are rules but in the case of righteousness of god the holiness of god yeah he can't violate himself it, it wouldn't work he's no longer the righteous god if he's no longer if he's righteous hence we have the the two events Three events? Three. Two. It's two events. It's two events. Where God is counseling or just talking amongst the angels saying, okay, I have this problem. Anybody want to fix this? He does it with Job. And then he does it again with uh, Ahab. When Ahab, uh, the prophet tells Ahab, go to this war so you can die. Um, God says, okay, I need a problem. I need to get Ahab in this, in, 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 in this battle to die. Anybody have any good ideas? Now, God doesn't lie to Ahab. But when the angels volunteers, I'll lie for him. I'll lie for you. Not a problem. I'll, I'll go light. So the angel lied, but God didn't. And, and hence the prophet that tells, hey, this is what the story was, yada, yada, yada. The way is that God doesn't, not the, is not the person who did it. it an angel did it on, on God's behalf in order to convince uh, Ahab's you know, people that to, to, go, to go to war and, and be killed and slaughtered. So God doesn't violate his scenario. He doesn't violate himself. That's not possible. But others violate themselves. And I find it fascinating, you point that out, Piran, is that in the instance of the prophet who got eaten by the lion, so even though the other prophet was the liar and deceived and manipulated the scenario for whatever reason, God didn't hold him responsible for it. He held the other guy responsible for it. So it, it's interesting how God, how God defines himself in that capacity. It's kind of a curious thing. Um, but yeah, he can't violate himself. It wouldn't work. He wouldn't be God anymore. Right, you're right. Otherwise, Uzzah wouldn't have happened, right? Because if otherwise, if God if if God forgave Uzzah, 
and by touching, even though it's an honorable thing, God for, if God forgave him by touching it, then the instructions he gave to Aaron saying you can't touch it are about bogus. But we always ask our question, what about the, 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 the Philistines who had the ark for like three months? They, they, they held it, they carried it away. I'm curious, did any of them accidentally touch it? <laughs> you, know, so you, know, you know, somebody touched it. It's like, what's this? Look inside. Ooh. <laughs> someone probably touched it. And, we, and there's no indication of them dying, but they also didn't have the instruction about not to touch it. So we had a question about where, where is God had these instructions and you know them first time instructions and you've never heard them before. Accountability based on knowledge, that's a fair thing. As a point for Cornelius, it would be. Accountability, you are now accountable. You have more knowledge. You now become more accountable. She's adding. Right, the prophet who lied. Yep, Solomon, so he knows I am responsible for this prophet's death because I lied, right? That's a good, good point. Yeah, that's possible. Make him not able. So her point out is that because he lied, is it possible that God no longer spoke to that prophet again because he's now a, a known liar? He's a known false prophet. And that totally could be the case. We don't have record of it. Bury him next to this guy. I'm, yeah, yeah. So when he wakes, God resurrects him. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> but yeah, it's all, it's all my fault. And that could be. Because if that's true, if, uh, I would think it would be true, intellectually speaking, because if God did reuse the man and he's already proven to be a liar, a false prophet in one instance, even though he, he used the man to tell the prophet, hey, you disobeyed my instruction. But at that point, on, we don't know. It's possible God didn't reuse him again. We, we don't have any evidence. We don't know. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd make us feel better if that's the case. <laughs> right. The, how close you are. Yep. How can be that close, closer relationship and be a liar? It wouldn't work very well. That's that's a fair question. We don't know. It's 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 something to think about. Um, Carrie, you had a question as well. What's your question, Carrie? Um, kind of more of a comment, actually. I what kind of struck me with this discussion is an an irony, <laughs> um, because the discussion and what you brought out at first was people questioning where's God's mercy in all of these scenarios. Um, but what hit me was there's a time and a place for everything. And I don't think that these are really about mercy at all. I think it's no, really, really about God's nature. Mm -hmm. And in each one of these scenarios, there's an act based in human presumption where um, even, even with, you know, Uza who, you know, reached out to steady the cart, um, you know, God says over and over not to worship him the way that the pagans worship their gods. And right, right. all of those gods are man-made and man-supported. You know, all of their natures and everything, they're all created by human thought. Whereas he exists on his own, he, he couldn't have even been created by us. And he doesn't need our help to... Mm -hmm express his perfect nature and um and so i think that that's kind of what struck me as irony is that when and i'll and i'll admit i'm one who has 
when we question his mercy with these scenarios because of the um, abruptness, I guess, of his reaction. Right. The, the, the quick, seemingly harsh, right. Right. Um, yeah. We go into our own human empathy and we kind of right. get presumptu presumptuous ourselves and we start thinking we're questioning his nature. We're really mm -hmm. questioning his love for humanity as uh, overall. Um, and I think that that's the point. It, it, or it's at least one. You, you, yeah, it's one possible. So you bring that up, um, and, and it's interesting because uh, I, I, I recall, off the top of my head, oh, I could, there could be more, I'm not sure. I know Moses and Jeremiah both questioned God. Say, God, what you're doing is wrong. Um, and Moses was more kind about it. Jeremiah was more harsh about it. But in those instances, we have a place Jeremiah saying, what you've done wrong, is, God, is you have purposefully deceived these people. And he does it multiple times in his book. Purposely deceived these people and told, and told the things that was a false, that was not true. And that's not fair. And God, in each instance, God kind of washes aside Jeremiah's objection and saying, hey, they knew better and continues on as if Jeremiah had not objected. So the nature, you're right, it's a nature of humanity to ask. Is this right? Is this justified? Is this, is this how I would want God to reply to me? Generally speaking, no. But that's how, how, how typically how, how humans work. But you do have a legitimate point. Is, is, is this evidence or intended for God to help us to comprehend, understand what kind of father he is compared to what we want him to be? This instructions, as you point out, this instructions, rule, yeah, this, we have household rules, right? She's too, she's, I'll have to repeat this. Come over here. It's, it's easier you get my quote because other people want to hear your questions too. Um, no, what I was saying is that we all have rules for our household. Like this is all about the instructions and we all have rules for our house. And we teach our children the rules for our household. And then when they don't follow them, there's the repercussions. And almost always, like because we're human, almost always it is the same repercussion. But on occasion, it's with mercy. Right. Um, but I was just thinking, like, this is about the instructions. And my kids knew the rules for the household. Did they break them? Yeah. Um, and then there were repercussions and also mercy in, the, in some of those avenues. But I was just thinking this isn't so much about the mercy of it. And I'm so thankful that he truly did give us so many different stories throughout the Bible to show all of the different things that he does offer and the instruction, the penalty and the mercy and grace. Um, but yeah, that was just my thought. Uh, Rose, you have a question? And who else? Well, I, I was that. just uh, thinking as a child myself, you know, my dad, my dad had rules in his house uh, as I had in mine. Right. But right. as a child, I would think that that's not fair. You know, I, I, didn't, get, <laughs> I didn't get my way. And, yep. and that's not fair. I mean, right. maybe, it, it, maybe, maybe fairness my sister would have done us. the same thing and he didn't give her the same punishment that I got. And now I know <laughs> that's not fair. Yep. Yep. You know that was brought up. Uh, it was so earlier as that it's a prince. It's, it's, it's the equal treatment that we think this is this is how things. But life isn't designed technically to be fair. It was, it was designed to understand and comprehend our God. 
fairness is what we perceive as fair, but also what he defines as being fair. In his case, in God's case, fairness is exactly what he says. It's because he defines right and wrong. He defines what is fair and not fair, even though it, it contradicts our concept and sometimes or our perceptions. God points out that he can, he can never make mistakes because he's God. Therefore, fairness, what he defines, hey, you all knew. You all knew better. Here's your consequence. And you're right. The consequence, you apply a consequence of one instance to one kid and a different consequence that's unrelated or softer to the kids. Like, well, this isn't fair. And we are the ones who think it is or isn't fair. God is obviously the one who defi- defines it. But in this instance, a, a person like Cornelius who knows very little, the sense of fairness is apparently more lenient or softer. As God told Aaron, hey, the closer you are to me, the more stringent or more respect or more, 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 more strict I'm going to be with you. And so fairness seems to shift the closer you are, which is the same principle we use as parents. The older our child gets, the most you're close you are to an adulthood, like I am, I'm an adult, right? The more closer adulthood is, consequences get bigger, get harder, get harsher grounding for how many months for doing anything wrong, whatever. Yeah, Yana has a question, comment too. Hold on a minute. Here we go. Hi. So I just want to point out that if when we were children, Daniel, if you were, I don't know, 11, whatever, and I'm so many years older, and you were told not to have that cupcake, and I came along and said, hey, listen, mom and dad totally said we could have them. Come on, we're going to eat these cupcakes. They're going to be late, whatever, whatever. And you ate that cupcake. Mom and dad would have been like, yeah, we told you not to eat the cupcake, but you know who would have gotten beaten? (laughs) Me. I would have gotten beaten for telling you to eat that cupcake. So that part of the scripture, like that's a hard one for me to swallow, because that's the older, more experienced child of God that had been working with God, lied about it, and encouraged this other prophet, the younger, more inexperienced prophet. Um, now, did that younger prophet put his faith in this other prophet versus what God told him directly? Absolutely. And that cost him his life. But I'm just saying, I would have gotten beaten <laughs> And you would have been wiping frosting off your face. <laughs> uh, that is a true comment. <laughs> yes, because we as adults, we're really, and, 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 and it's interesting to how, how God is working. It's different. It's different than what we as humans would normally think. It's just, it's just different. And not that God's wrong or that we're, or that we're right, because it's not the case. Clearly, he's correct. It's just interesting to how God works differently than what we think. It's just he just does. He's just not quite the same as we are. Not that we're not any different, but there are some differences. Um, Deborah and Christine, both questions. Deborah, you can go go first. What's your question? Okay, so I've been having that inner struggle, and the more I know, what you were saying is the more you know, the more you're accountable for. So you know, I mean, it's like we are in a different group than the mainstream church. We're here studying the Torah, right? I mean, you know, we're this close to the Jewish, you know, people. But the teachings of, you know, from the Torah, from the temple. The principles, yep. Yeah, so I yep. mean, we're accountable for more, but, you know, I have often find myself struggling because we're supposed to go to God. Like, I need a job, I need healing, but no, I run off to the doctor, or maybe I'm complaining to Rose, oh, Deborah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I say something to her, you know, and, you know, and I try to go to God, and there's no answer, and then I can say to myself, oh, maybe I'm sick because 
the, I haven't been following the instructions. So that's a, it's a horrible inner turmoil to try to figure out, that is. is this a direct result from not keeping the Sabbath correctly? Is this a direct result for ABC? So this is a lot of inner, inner turmoil. And I was questioning myself today. I always tell God, well, I don't understand you. And so today it's funny, this topic that we're talking about is like, um, absolutely incredible but you know carrie oh my god what she said was just what an eye-opener noteworthy it to is. take because um this isn't my reasoning it's what he says and then like earlier right. his he has we have to follow uh the consequences of what he says you know and maybe we are physically dying maybe i am ill and sick because somehow i'm lacking so uh, that's always always on my mind you know, I don't know if it's our own inner punishment that comes about because we are stressed out because the human body is made so finite that a thought or something can make you sick. I don't know if you remember as a child, I don't want to go to school and then I say I'm sick. Well, I know many times I have found myself sick thinking, wow, I, I said I was sick and now I am <laughs> right. sick, you know? I am sick. It's like God said, I can hear that. I'll, I'll, I'll oblige. Here you go. <laughs> like, God. <laughs> You have a, those, those legit points, uh, and, and and to be fair, Deborah, I think that's that is that is mentally speaking and spiritually a justifiable stance. You always, I always ask myself, okay, if something went wrong, the immediate response is why, right? That's a normal. What went wrong, and then why did it go wrong? It's a normal human instinct, whether it's whether it's a spiritual problem, which can happen, or a physical thing, or whatever. We always those those are. I don't perceive that that's a wrong thing to do because we should ask why. And we may not get an answer. I'm not saying God's going to answer anything, but the point is to ask is, is, is reasonable. And to ask in this case, for it comes to uh, the people of the, of, of the Bible, we, I think it's, it's, it's okay to ask the reason why is this. Not that we'll get the answer that we either like or don't even comprehend, but the asking, is, I think, is a responsibility of being a human being. God created us like him to comprehend, to understand, to try to figure out. That's a good thing. And, and I, but I have to accept that ultimately for me and my own health struggles and problems I've got going on in family life and projects that fail apart or whatever, I always have to tolerate that, okay, he may not choose to answer them. Uh, so, sorry, Christine has one more question and then Carrie has questions. Christine, what was your question? Uh, she doesn't, but um, I do have Daniel. Oh, oh sorry. It, has written, it, has, it was typed here as a Christine had a question, so it, maybe it's just mistyped. She did at first, but now we have Danielle and then uh, Carrie. Oh, all right. Go ahead, Danielle. Um, but sometimes, like, I feel like, like, um, I went, I have this midweek at my uh, another church, and like the way they like talk about it, sometimes they act like people depend too much on God. They're like, oh, just because I believe in God, like, I'll get to heaven right away. And I feel like we, like, right. as, like, Christians and stuff, like, we, like, depend too much on God. Like, oh, if I pray, God will definitely do this. Like, but sometimes right, right. God has other plans and that God made us so that we can work. We don't just have to say, oh, God, please give me a billion bucks, please. Like, you actually have to work for <laughs> God it. God will do it. What well, you you bring up a legitimate point, and and I run across this. I mean, personally, so many of you as as adults, I'm sure you all have run across this multiple times, and it comes across the 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 um, the there there is a, there is a maturity in your walk with God, right? 
those of you who are older, wiser, around a long time, you realize there are times that you thought, well, God will answer this question when you were younger and realize that he he may or may not have it. it would, sometimes the answer was just plain no, <laughs> which, is, which is fine too. Um, but our maturity changes the more we grow. We call it wisdom. Uh, you, you understand and comprehend, hey, there are scenarios which say, well, I'll trust and ask God, but I also realize that God also didn't make me, as the psalmist says, or is it Proverbs? It's Proverbs. I forgot which one. I'm not the uncomprehending horse that just turns right because the master says turn right and I turn right. I turn left and then turn left and then go forward or stop. That's the uncomprehending. It just, it just does whatever the reins or whatever the, the knee adjustment with the person, the rider tells them to do. As opposed to the horse comprehending, I want to go do this. I know how to do it. I want to go do it. Now, I'm not saying horses can't be trained. I was just using the example the Bible uses as an uncomprehending horse. There are, there are different ones that are, that are more comprehending. But the point being that as we grow in our comprehension of God, we have to realize and we comprehend that there is a certain level of responsibility God puts upon us as well, just as human beings, because he made us not like the animals. We are distinctly godlike. We the, the, the creation the creation that God made makes us uniquely different. That we can comprehend, we can learn, we can expand our understanding of Him and how to act like Him. Even though I may never fully comprehend Him, that would be crazy to even think about. I can fully comprehend God. I can at least read His instructions and try to interpret. Clearly, in this instance, in these instances we just covered today, um, even though I don't have the complete answer as far as what God was trying to tell or show, I have enough of the information to realize, ultimately, God's instruction matters, right? That's pretty clear. And whether or not he's going to grant my request, my desires, my intent, my prayers, that is still his prerogative. He can say no. He's allowed to say no to a prayer request. Um, he can say yes too, which would be nice, but he can say no too. And so I think, Daniel, your point is, 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 is fair legitimate that there are some who are, I don't care their age, I'm referring to spiritual maturity. Some spiritual maturity changes with time and some people's spiritual maturity doesn't change that much. Depends on where you happen to be. But as we mature, we realize typically more and more, we are still more responsible compared to less responsible. In the case of David, the incorrect translation of the Ark, when, he, when the, the Uzzah died, well, it would not have taken that much effort for him to ask, how do I move the Ark? It would have been his responsibility, or at least a priest or somebody saying, hey, we move the Ark by carrying it on our shoulders. It's a simple, quick read. It tells you quite plainly this is how you move it. But because they didn't actually inquire, their maturity level of their comprehension level was limited because they didn't actually take responsibility to find out what God said. It didn't turn out well. So we do have a, a progress in our maturity, our comprehension of God, even though we not actually get to our final destination. It does, it does change with time. And when someone does not change with time, Either they've reached their limit, whatever that is, or they've chosen not to. And that's a different problem to have, to choose not to mature. Choose not to mature would be the opposite of what Cornelius did. Cornelius could have stayed in his way and said, no, I'm going to mature. I want to know more. Hence, he got more from Peter, or th th from God, but through Peter. 
So the maturity in our spiritual level is the same as in our physical maturity, a physical body change. It all works together. It's the same principle. Uh, and then Carrie has the last question. I know I'm over time. I apologize for taking you guys too long. Go ahead, yeah. Carrie. I was just going to say, going back to what Deborah brought up, I, asking the why is actually really integral to our belief because without asking why, we cannot learn more about God's true nature. We, ha we have to. Um, and, yeah, have you know, that kind of goes to, I mean, yes, he has instructions, but um, I also think it's, you know, we have to be careful. I think there's a line if we treat them arbitrary, arbitrarily, like they're just arbitrary instructions and never know the reasons for them, that there's a danger in just going into obedience by rote. And if we don't know the reasons, it does not bring maturity. And we actually right. can you kind of go into that heartless obedience, you know, where like our sacrifices yeah. won't be worth anything. Um, right. So you, be, just, you become your own uncomprehending right. horse. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and like, where you you're know, trying like, to avoid, you became. Yeah. Well, and even with children, you know, talking about parenting is like if we if we stress too much obedience with them and don't explain to them why and don't help them understand, they don't have internal motivation for obedience anymore. It's just all right. external force, and that's dangerous too. So. Um, but yeah, it's important to ask why. That's how we learn more about his nature, which increases our faith and our relationship with him. Amen. All right. Any questions or comments? One more here from Sam. Go ahead. Um, uh, you know, in uh, all the scriptures that we've, uh, you know, we've read today, I believe God is still merciful, even in judgment. Because uh, in chapter 10 uh, of that, uh, you know, um, Leviticus uh, chapter 10, verse 5, even though they get uh, cooked, but uh, they were still in their tunic. You know, it's interesting yeah. that the fire came down, they got killed, but how does their tunic still intact? It's amazing. Yeah, which would be an impossibility, right? Yes. So, and, and uh, the same with um, uh, the other guy that, you know, uh, Torch tried to study the ark. Oh, right. Of yeah. Coven, oh, you know? yep. So, you know, he died and then he was preserved too, you know. So, in, in God's, when he judged, he's still merciful in all this mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, the attribute of God is holy and righteous and following the instruction that he gave to the one he loves he chasing you know and, right. that, and that's how we, we we can know that god loves us if we are just on a cruise line that everything just going smooth without any challenges or difficulties <laughs> then we got to question ourselves god said david yeah. is man after my heart but we can see what david went through right because to the one who close to him he will be holy. He will yep, show himself holy. But in his judgment, he is merciful. Yeah. That's well put. Well put. Um, in every instance, when I was pointing out that the, they were, the, the, the people didn't receive mercy, I'm referring to, to you, you have a legitimate point there. They didn't receive mercy in the form of they didn't like, not die, for, but they were still, as I was pointed out earlier, um, that death is still merciful in and of itself, too. Um, and that those God, God is still merciful. They're not saying he isn't because he's, he's always been merciful. Uh, it's just, it's interesting to note how we perceive what mercy is versus how he perceives what mercy is. And it's, it's, it's a, 
it's a fascinating study topic to comprehend what perception is versus what what he says it is and uh it's pretty beautiful you've been listening to a discussion at halal fellowship if you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions visit the website at halal.info that's h-a-l-l-e-l dot i-n-f-o halal.info halal.info